Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nice to see all of you. You made it through. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your right hand. Put your right hand up. You're going to repeat after me. Are you ready? I am not a weather wuss. Excellent. You made it here through this. You know, it's only about two and a half or three inches or whatever it is, but doesn't it seem so much worse because it's April? It messes with my head a little bit. You know? What's that? The ice doesn't help. No, no, it's terrible. I do just two quick things I want to share. We did have a town hall in here on Wednesday night, and some of you made it. It was nice to see you here. We had about about 60, I tried to count, just over 60 people here. Uh, some from our church, most from not, uh, not from our church, but from the area. Our alderman was here, uh, the District 7 police captain, so the man in charge of District 7, uh, probably about four or five other police officers, and the police chief was here. And he spoke, and there are a couple folks representing different areas in the city. They spoke. Um, I did see myself, if you wanted to, and, and please don't do this now, through my message, it will hurt my feelings. But there's, if you Google Milwaukee police chief addresses safety concerns after recent survey, can you remember all that? There's a, CBS 58 was here, and they had their camera set up, and it's odd seeing our, the inside of this room and the news. That was odd, and I was watching, and two things stood out to me. The first was that it was odd to see this backdrop, and the, the chief was standing on the, the floor, and he was sharing whatever he was sharing. That, that just seemed odd because it was in this room. And we saw, I saw the Torah in the background. I thought, well, what do you know about that? And the, the other thing that I thought was odd was how, how good I looked on camera. I look, I look good. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't, I wasn't in the background, though. At one point, you see me leaning. I thought, boy, I don't look very engaged, but I was engaged. All right, so anyway, that was Wednesday. That was very cool to, to see. Really, I got the chance to invite a whole bunch of people here. And some of them I did it in kind of a laughing way, and some of them I did it in a serious way. But it, one guy said, you know, I don't really go to church. And I'm like, man, you haven't been to a church as good as ours. You should come here. And he kind of looked at me. It was a police officer. He looked at me, and I smiled, and then he smiled. I said, really, come here. <laughs> All right. So I don't know if he'll come. Another thing that's going to happen, if you are in Youth 412, you already know this, and if you are the parent of Youth 412, you may or may not know this, depending on your teenager. You know what I'm talking about, parents. There's going to be a special guest this Wednesday. Now, this was short notice. I know that Scott has been working on this for a long time. Scott, the youth leader, has been working on this for a long time. Uh, and you parents are invited to join your teenager if you're interested and in praying for and listening to the Milwaukee County Sheriff. He'll be here on Wednesday night. So the fellow who took over for the well-known uh, David Clark, his, this new sheriff's name is Richard Schmidt, and he'll be here Wednesday night. We're gonna, we're gonna, he's gonna share for a bit. There's gonna be downstairs. There'll be a youth-led worship, which is cool, and uh, and then there'll be prayer for the sheriff. We're gonna give him a Bible with his name on the outside because we want it. It's very important that he has a good instruction book, don't you think? I'm sure he's got the police manuals, but now he needs the manual. And uh, so anyway, that's going to be Wednesday. And if you're not going to be here, if you're not a parent, or if you're not Youth 412, please pray for it anyway, all right? We want to be a good testimony. 
to this man. And um, really, our mission is not politics. We do this stuff. It's not politics. It's the gospel. We want people to know about the Lord. Politics are everywhere, but not everybody knows about the Lord. Is that true? I got to remember that. That was a pretty good saying, wasn't it? I got to. All right. I'm going to dive into the word. Last week, if you were here, and if you were not here, here's what I talked about. We talked about, we looked at an illustration in the scripture where Abraham, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, leave your relations, leave your family, and set out to a land that I'll show you. So Abraham took his father and some other folks, and they started to go toward the land, and they stopped in a place called Haran, and they settled. They did not make it to where God was showing them, at least not then. They settled in Haran, and they were there for some time. His father passed. Abraham resumed the journey and made it. Unfortunately for Abraham, wherever God was going to take him, we know, we know what it is today. It's what now we know is Israel. But unfortunately for Abraham, that time in Haran just delayed the good stuff. Right? It delayed it. God said, Abraham, leave your, your relationships and go. And he did it. You know, he went, he took his dad, and then they settled in Haran, and they stayed there for a while before he finally up and got there. And we looked at the different things in life that could slow us down from where we're trying to go or where God is trying to lead us. That's what we talked about. And one thing that we could do to kind of help us get our thinking around, we don't need to be stuck in life, and we don't need to be stuck here. We can go where God wants us to go is to get our heads around and just remember the testimonies of God, the things that God has done, the things that he's done, not just 3,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago, but the things he did in your life and the things he did in my life. For example, he brought us here today. Somehow you heard about this place. Here we are worshiping together. We're a crazy cross-section of people that for whatever reason we came together today to worship God. That is a move of God. There's a number of these things. We remember the testimonies. But then, today I want to look at something else. And I think it's, a, I think it's good to look at other things that will get us from the harans in our life. Get us out of that stuck place. Right? Let's, let's go ahead, Dylan. Just a, just a scriptural perspective on this. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one succeed. Look, we can keep doing the same thing over and over again, and we're just going to be dull. But sometimes getting a little wisdom helps the perspective. So today we're going to look at another thing that will get us out of our Haran. Sound good? Does it feel like a winter day? It feels like it. In the background, I see the white. And then I see Alan, and with Alan the usher. And Alan's sitting back with the white around him. It's like an angelic glow. I don't know if he's been ever called angelic before. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. It doesn't feel like a winter day. Okay. Remembering God's testimonies, that's one thing can get, that can get us out of a Haran, that stuck place. Another thing that can get us out, I'm going to say it, and some of you are going to go right away to the end. You're going to go like, okay, I know what this message is about. And you're going to tune me out. Please don't tune me out. Please don't. I'm used to my kids doing that. Please don't tune me out. My kids don't really do that. All right, you ready? Fasting. Fasting can get us out of our haran. Fasting can get us out of a stuck place in life. 
I know it's not the most exciting thing to think about. What? You want me to go without food? Are you kidding me? But it can. It can get us out of an unstuck place. If you've been coming here for a while, we have annual church fasts. I'll speak about that in a little bit. Fasting is an important part of who we are as a church. John Wesley is an interesting guy. He, was, uh, he lived around 1750 in England. He was a firm believer in fasts. Uh, so he was actually quite a major religious influence. And he got to the point in his denomination that he said, if you don't fast, I don't even want to ordain you. His belief on fasting was so strong. Fasting is something that's been around. We know about fasting. There's all kinds of fasting in scriptures. Dylan, go ahead. Some examples of individual fasting. Moses did for 40 days. Elijah did for 40 days. Jesus did for 40 days. They're the only people in scripture that did it for 40 days, by the way. At least I can think of offhand. What's interesting is the experiences of those three when they fasted. Moses fasted. He was just in God's presence and he fasted while he was doing it. Elijah was on the run. He thought a lady was going to kill him. He was on the run, and he fasted for 40 days on his run. And Jesus fasted for 40 days. He was called to, uh, he was going to have a trial period, a temptation, a trial period. He's going to go through some real challenges. And before his challenges, he fasted to prep up for his challenges. But Paul fasted a number of times. Daniel fasted for mercy. I like it. King Darius fasted. King Darius wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't a Hebrew or Jew and whatever title we would want to put on that group. He was not. He still fasted when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And it was Darius' own rule that threw Daniel into the lion's den. But he fasted. Cornelius fasted for spiritual understanding, and then some other folks in the scriptures had lifestyles of fasting where they would fast regularly. They would go in and out of fasting for different things. Now that's individual fasting in scripture. This is just some of the mentions. There's also corporate fasting when whole groups would fast, which was what as a church, we do that. Let's look at some. A few um, biblical examples. Believers for Peter's deliverance from jail. They got together and they fasted and prayed. Israel for salvation from Haman. Uh, the story of Esther. There was lots of fasting involved in Esther, actually, multiple times. Citizens of Nineveh for mercy and salvation. Now, this is Jonah, right? Jonah gets out of the whale. He goes in tells everybody in the city they're, they're doomed, they're doomed, they're doomed. And the city repented, and they fasted, and they, they did everything they could, and, and God didn't wipe them out. Israel before the Philistines attacked. In response to Joel's call, Israel in the holy days, the Lord says fast. Um, Paul and, and the gang, they were worshiping, and they would fast. Israel before war with Moab, Ezra and his gang for protection. That Ezra is a pretty cool story in its great context and what it was. My point is there's individual fasting, and there's corporate fasting. One great example of corporate fasting. Go ahead, Dylan. Let's look at, like, we're going to go a layer deeper in the corporate side of it. Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now there were, in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, also known as Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Worship and fast goes together a lot of times. We can have a fast, but if there's no worship, I don't know if the fast is much good. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, what? They prayed too? I just It's a subtle mention. It's important to get the prayer in there. Fasting without worship, fasting without prayer. 
not much of a fast. After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they're just worshiping and, and, and fasting. They weren't, we don't know that they were doing it, doing the fasting and worshiping for any particular thing. We just know they were doing it. The Holy Spirit spoke and said, hey, we're going to do this. I want, here's what I want you to do. But they were just worshiping and fasting. It was an implied thing. And also something that's important to know here is this happened after Jesus went back into heaven. If you've ever heard anybody say, yeah, yeah, fasting is good, but that's Old Testament stuff. We don't have to fast anymore. They did it after Jesus went to heaven. This isn't just Old Testament stuff. Fasting has value. You know, there's a funny, the, the medical profession has really gone all over the place on fasting. Years ago, the medical profession was fine with fasting. And then they came out in the relatively recent past and said, fasting is bad, never fast. Now fasting is back in vogue with the medical profession. If they would just stay with the scriptures, it would make things a lot easier for them. You know? Anyhow, I want to give you, in a relatively short order of time, three things to consider at a fast. If you're thinking, is a fast for me? Is there value in the fast? What about a fast? Just three things to consider. Dylan, number one. 2 Samuel 24. Then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Okay, what's happening? David is saying to this guy, David wants to make a sacrifice. And he looks over and he sees a perfect place for a sacrifice and even an animal to sacrifice. It's not David's stuff, King David. It's not his stuff. But, and, and he's like, boy, that'd be great for a sacrifice. And Aruna, who happens to own the spot and own the animal, said, good news, I'll give it to you. You can have it. You can do the sacrifice. No charge. And David said, nope, I will surely buy it from you. I don't want it for free. I want to pay you for it. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. The first principle of a fast. If there's no sacrifice, if it doesn't cost, it doesn't bring much value to God. When we look at a food fast, we all feel the cost of not eating food. True? We feel it. Man, I get, everybody responds differently to a fast. I get real tired. I know a number of you get tired. I get a little cranky, so it's a good time to stay away from me. Judy's probably going to call in sick the days of our church fast. <laughs> I don't want to see Jim. I don't want to see Jim. But it does affect us, and we feel the sacrifice of a church fast, or of a fast, I should say. Also, you know, I'm struggling with something. This, this church fast that's coming up, some of you know what I'm talking about with this. A little Red Bull. I'm going to go a few days with no Red Bull, and heaven help anybody around me. I'm going to be extra crabby and... Extra tired. It's terrible. I'm going to drive my car at 20 miles an hour. The point is with this fast, it's got to cost something. You know, I've known people who take fast, you know, they'll say, man, I really hate liver. I'm going to fast liver. What? What's the cost? David's point is really clear here. If I'm going to go to God with something, it's got to be meaningful. It's got to be meaningful. Now, those are my words, but that's, in essence, that's what David's saying. It's got to be meaningful. 
Whatever we do, whatever we put aside for the Lord, it's got to be meaningful. Some of you are in a place in life you can't, you can't do a fast. You may take medication, you may have health concerns that require that you have some kind of food. What do you have that you could set aside, that you could set down, that you could lay, lay aside for meaningful value and sacrifice unto the Lord? And that's what we're talking about here. It's not for the sake of doing it. What's meaningful? Number two, Matthew 6. Now, I, I was going to put the whole chapter here, and I thought, well, that'd be a lot of reading. But let's look at this. Matthew 6, verse 1, then we'll skip down a bit. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Jesus is saying this. Beware to practice your righteousness. These are steps of practice that believers do. Matthew 6 is a chapter. He just lays some things down. You're going to do this and this and this and this and this. Verse 2, when you give to the needy. Not if you give to the needy. When you give to the needy. Verse 5, when you pray. Not if you pray, it's when you pray. Here's what you do. And he spells some things out. Verse 14, if you forgive others. It's if. People do need to ask for forgiveness. That is a key here. But then we slide down to verse 16. And when you fast, again, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. In other words, when you fast, don't mope around and tell everybody else you're fasting. I'm so hungry, I haven't eaten for 12 hours, or 36 hours. You know, just don't let anybody know. Now, if somebody asks me, Jim, are you fasting? I'm not going to say, no, maybe. You know, it's okay to answer the question, but it's talking about televising it. Guess what? I'm fasting. I'm really holy. You know, that's not what this is about. That's not. At the time, that's what they were doing. That's what they were saying. And we look at it now and we say, well, that, gee, that's kind of crazy. Why would they do that? You know, it's silly. Who would say that? That was being said. And have you ever known anybody to act religious without being a Christ follower? You ever known the religious actors? That's what this is talking about. Don't be an actor. Don't put it on. It's between you and God. And you and God. That is all. And you and God. And God will reward you in heaven. This is a key part here. Done privately, God will reward you. May not be here, you may not see it, but there will be reward. Sometimes people fast and they see really dynamic moves of God in their life. They see some really cool things right after the fast, even during the fast. Sometimes people have fasted and they've done it really hard and they've done it the right way. And they say, God, I want to do this as a sacrifice to you. I want to do this for you. And they do this the right way and they they think about something in their life they're struggling with or they need help with. And do you know they don't get better? They don't feel better? They don't see a response. Fasting is not like, it's not leverage to get something from God. But sometimes good things happen. Sometimes we don't see it happen, but good things happen anyway. That's the way of a fast. They're going to they're have sacrifice in them. And it's between us and God. It's not like a badge of honor. I had 19 fasts in my life. How many of you have? It's not it. Number three. 
Matthew 9. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, this is John the Baptist, they, they approached Jesus and they said, Why do we eat and the Pharisees fast? Why do we eat and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do we and the Pharisees fast? There we go. But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom was taken away from them, and, they, and then they will fast. Now, there's actually a lot going on here in this whole passage. If we read the whole context of all of this, there's a lot, a lot of things going on. But one of the things, and one of the things for our purposes this morning is, the fast is a relational thing. The fast is about Intimacy. The fast is about saying, you know what, God, I just want more of you. I just want to understand you better. I understand this is about you, Lord, and I fast for you. Look at the illustration he uses. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He's talking about the, a wedding. The relationship at a wedding is very special. So when you're together, you're having a great time. But when the bridegroom's gone... I wish he was back. I wish he was here. I wish we could hang out. That's what a fast is about. Oh, I'm going to look for you. Where are you? The bottom, the base of all that we do in a fast is to just know God better. To know him better. It's not about having all the answers. It's to know him better. So a week from... Monday, a week from tomorrow, we start our church fast. It's three days. Some of you have got things going on in your life that are colossal things. You have very big things. You have difficult seasons in life. You're searching maybe for jobs. Maybe you have health issues. Maybe you've got family issues that are big issues. A fast is an excellent way to say, hey, Lord, I, I just need you. I just need you. And, and some of you, I hope all of us who, who consider this our place, will do it so we think of we all need you as a group. We all need you as a family. You know, we need God as, to lead us as a church too. We're not just purely a collection of individuals. We are a congregation. We are a congregational family even. That's what the scriptures describe us as. We need it. When I was a kid, my dad was the, you know, the guy, and my mom was the woman in the house. They were the ones, the ones. I wanted our life to go well. I wanted to know what they wanted from me as a kid. I didn't always like it. What do you mean, study? But we moved. I was very dependent on my parents to say, we're going to move to this city or move to this city. You're going to change schools here. You're going to do this there, and here's what you're going to eat tonight. I needed that. We need God to do that for us as a family too. Where do you want for us? What do you want from us, God? Some of you need individually, some of you corporately. But all, well, actually all of us corporately. I'm so excited. I was thinking about, so I was standing in the back when we had the, uh, the town hall. I was standing, I was leaning in the back. Console there by the sound, sound and, and media. And I was just watching the, whoever the presenters were, and I was thinking about this throughout the night. How strange it is that these folks are coming into our building having a town hall. How cool. And I'm thinking, God, who else can I invite? Who else can I invite to come and join us in a service? 
We are planted right here in the city of Milwaukee. We got this location. We didn't buy this location because it was Milwaukee. This was the opportunity. This was where God planted us. And I'm thinking, that is a really neat thing, Lord. What else can we do? We've got the sheriff coming in. What else can we do? Who else can we tell? We care about engaging with people who need help. We care about spreading the word. Where do we go? I really, I think about this all the time. As a church, what do we do? Now, as a, as a man, I got a whole laundry list of issues. My wife will tell you. That's a joke. <laughs> but I do have issues. It's becoming more and more apparent to me, and, and you, you regulars, you know this. If you don't know this, uh, uh, my brother and I are going to run with the bulls this July. We have our airplane tickets, and I'm excited. I'm you excited? I'm getting it. It's, I'm, it's becoming real to me. And I was praying about this, and then I thought, you know what, Lord, this is cool. I'm going to go run with the bulls. Joe's going to run with the bulls. We're going to be there. We're going to power through the crowd. We're going to whoop the bulls. But what if we don't? God, just keep me safe. And then I thought, <gasps> I'm testing God. Uh, God, gore somebody else before me. <laughs> I'm just, my, my point in that illustration is to say, look, I'm searching God just to go running with the bulls. I'm searching God to... <laughs> how to spend my money as a man, you know, how to do my things in life as a, as a dad, as a husband, my job. I need this fast. So for me, I don't have any health issues. I have a bit of a waistline issue. I think I can afford to fast. Some of you do have health issues. Please be mindful of that. Don't try to force yourself into something you shouldn't be doing. But consider a fast. Consider it for you. Consider it for us. It's not an accidental thing in scriptures. It's part of who we are as a believer. Really. It's a good thing to draw close to God. It's a good thing to long for him. And the fast is about longing for God. Some of you are regular fasters and you listen. You're like, I knew all this stuff today. Thank you for listening to me anyway. If you're not a regular faster, I'm glad you listened to me. Thank you. Consider it. It's really between you and God. Now, on the Wednesday, so a week from tomorrow, we start a fast. On Wednesday, we have a worship time. Remember the verse? Worship, they were together and worshiping and fasting and then prayer. So Wednesday is when we bring it together. And it's a worship time. It's just an hour. You know, it's funny. You fast for three days and you take one hour of worship. It's kind of disproportionate, you know. But we come together for worship and come ready to just worship. It's a, just a worship night. If you can't fast that time because of your health or whatever you've got going on, come anyway. If anybody uses it as an excuse, you know, I didn't fast, so I can't go, that's a terrible excuse. Just come. Well, no one's going to ask you if you fasted. You don't have to come in, you know, real weak looking to get in the door. Anybody, just come as you are. We just want to worship God because he's because it's about longing for him. That's all it is. I don't know why it's so hard for us sometimes to get our head around the fact that God loves us and he just wants us to come and long for him. We start to second question ourselves or guess or second guess ourselves. But he loves us and he wants us to long for him. And fasting will remind us and refresh us on longing for him. Amen? So please stand up if you would.
going to do something really mean. And I'm not going to say who it is. There's somebody in the room like me who gets crabby at fasts. I say, go antagonize them. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is, Mike. <laughs> I, I, he, you actually do really well on your fasts. <laughs> Anybody get crabby during fasting? Okay, if your hand's up, that's who you go antagonize. <laughs> All right, let's pray. So, Lord God, we do thank you for this. We, we, it's very clear, Lord. We know in your word that you just want us to long for you. You long for us. And you want us to long for you, Lord. So we look to you. We look to deepen our relationship with you. Walk in a better understanding of the relationship you would desire for us. We look to do it with fasting. We look to do it with prayer and worship. We look to do it with our fellowship, with hanging out with each other. We thank you for the work in this house. Even now we say we come to you in this fast and we we say, please, please meet us, Lord. Thank you for this group. and I pray for blessings on them and safety on them, even in their travels here, but just in life. God bless them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.